can be seated. <clears throat> take a look at the Word, but before we do, we'll take a moment again to give prayer to God and ask for His favor upon His Word tonight. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we may have a few moments on these Lord's Days where we gather to be able to focus our attention and dwell in the Scriptures. And we pray that as we do that tonight, and we address the truths of your word, particularly if we look at the ninth commandment tonight, it would be a reminder to us about the blessedness, not only of knowing your truth, but also reflecting it in the lives to which you've called us. May we find your blessing through your spirit then, for the sake of Jesus, we do pray, amen. So my friends, we're going to be taking a look tonight at a portion of God's Word from the New Testament from Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 25 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, 25 to 32, and we're considering that passage tonight also uh, as the light shedder in part uh, on the Word, uh, on the confession that we make, to be sure, I don't mean in part, God's Word always is the reason for our confession, uh, but we're also looking at the ninth commandment tonight, and so this harmonizes, God's word harmonizes all together, and we're looking at Lord's Day 43 tonight as we're looking at God's will for us in the ninth commandment out of the Heidelberg Catechism, and if you want to look that up uh, in a moment or now, whatever, page 55 in the back of the hymnal, question 112 that we'll be reading from that part of the catechism. Before we look at that, though, let's take a look at verses 25 to 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. And there it says to us, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Grateful for God's word that it could be read publicly tonight. We take a moment also to consider uh, the response of the Reformed Church over the years on the Ninth Commandment. The Heidelberg Catechism pens it. Question 112, Lord say 43. The question gets asked, what is God's will for us in the Ninth Commandment? And the answer is, God's will is that I never give false testimony against anyone twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone without a hearing or without a just cause. 
Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are devices the devil himself uses, and they would call down on me God's intense anger. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. We do pray that God's word may be truly a blessing to us as it's ministered this evening. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned this a little bit this morning about how in times past at least, I don't know if I hear it quite like that anymore, but uh, the effect is still there or the, the, the action is still there. Where people used to talk about what they called spin doctors. And spin doctors were those who would take situations and statistics and spin them into stories that would fit their particular view of life. And you'd have to listen very carefully at times to discern whether these people were really telling the truth or spinning the truth to fit their end. It's easy to take their word as truth, when, especially when they want to say that they're the experts in the field and, uh, and maybe... You or, or I haven't taken the time to, to look things at look at things closely enough. Uh, but if we know the situation better, then of course we can tell uh, that such are spin doctors. They're not so much worried about what the truth is, but what the truth is to them and how it is that they could fashion and form it according to their wills. But that kind of doctoring of the truth is is certainly related to the ninth commandment and something that we need to be careful about if we're going to be discerning people in Christ's kingdom and in Christ's church. As we see in our passage tonight and as we hear it reflected in essence in the catechism because we're in that gratitude section of the catechism after all, when our speech is spoken in truth and love that expresses a lot of things but it certainly expresses Christian thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and speech fits well together as a Christian concept. It is, after all, the truth that has set us free, that, that moves us to a grateful spirit. And certainly, if that's the case, then we want to do, as the Catechism would say, and as we are exhorted, first of all, in the Scriptures, uh, to promote the truth, to put away falsehood, <coughs> and for each of us to speak the truth with our neighbors. If you're looking for a means of giving thanks to God in Jesus Christ for his gracious word of truth, there's hardly a better place to express that thanks than by reflecting it in your own gracious words of truth. And so tonight we're going to be focusing on the calling to be thankful in speech, thinking about what it is that we ought to shun and what it is that we ought to promote. And I put in the bulletin, what we should avoid, I think, uh, as you'll see in a moment, uh, a stronger word is actually needed, uh, and we're going to choose that, use that word then as our to, to help us out in this first point. It's not not so much what to, to avoid, but what to shun. You know, as we know, the commandments have their their negative and positive sides to it. And certainly, that this passage shows the the negative and positive sides of the ninth commandment very well. 
just as it shows us the Eighth Commandment and its positive and negative sides. And of course, there it's speaking too about honesty. An honest day's work, right? Because as we saw last week too, we can live the lie when we're carrying out thievery and robbery. But both the passage and the catechism address both sides of the ninth commandment as well. And that's, that's fitting since we're called to put off these things that are, that are no good and thankless in our lives. And we're supposed to be putting on things that are good and are thankful uh, in our lives. And as I mentioned, I, I, I rather regret the word I used here of, of avoid uh, as, uh, as my point here. And I know the Catechism uses the word avoid as well. It speaks about how uh, I, I should avoid lying and deceit and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but that's probably not strong enough of a, of a word to be using. Avoidance sounds more like something that you should go around if you can help it, but that you can put up with it uh, if you must. It's like, well, you know, you could take the detour around the construction site, but you can, if you want, you can still go through the construction site. It's going to take you a little longer, uh, but it's still an option. Uh, falsehood's not, a, not, not an option that way for us. We're, we're not just trying to uh, see it as one way as, a, as opposed to another. We don't want to just simply get around uh, if we can help it doing the truth, but we need to be doing, carrying out the truth and that we need to be shunning then or detesting or abhorring or hating or loathing uh, falsehood in that regard. You know, when it comes to what comes out of our mouths, it's important to us all that we understand that Scripture is quite clear that the idea that sticks and stones may break our bones but names will never hurt me is not a motto uh, by which to view our words or those of others because words hurt or they can hurt if they're used in an abusive kind of way and oftentimes in false ways to be sure. When you read in the scriptures that words misused are the foothold of the devil and that the Spirit of God is grieved in the way that we use our words. It's in that context, after all, that we're picking up uh, this exhortation to put aside falsehood and to speak the truth of our to our neighbor. Well, we recognize then that uh, if words misused are the foothold of the devil and the, that the Spirit of God is grieved in the way that we use our words and the kind of words that we use and that God's anger comes down upon us in the misuse of those words, then we realize that the words that we speak can be very, very dangerous, certainly in how we express them, but they're dangerous to ourselves. You know, we remember James 3 when it says to us about our tongues how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue's a fire. It's, a, wor it's a, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Because every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. 
With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. For my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. There's plenty to shun when it comes to the use of our tongues then. In many respects, words are easy, aren't they? We sometimes say it's one thing to talk about something. It's another thing to do something about it. There's something about the tongue and the words that are uttered that are easy. But what's especially easy by our sinful nature, sad to say, is to speak a poor word. And that poor word can come in many forms. A poor word can, can be an unwillingness to live up to our commitments. We speak a word that, that says we'll be faithful to our spouses. In fact, we even make an oath to that, to that end. And then people break those bonds of faithfulness. Words are easy. We speak a word that we will submit to the admonition and the discipline of the church. Words are easy. But when the time comes for it, we don't. At least that's how it is with the, the wayward. Those aren't good words. They should be. They sound good, but they're not. We tell a lie so we won't get caught. We talk behind a person's back because we don't want to face up to them or we don't want to overlook the issue. We like to talk about them but not to them. We presume and we proclaim somebody guilty without having seen all the facts. And those aren't good words. We think that we can only kill with our actions. We don't see that we can kill others with our very words. And deeply so. When we cannot properly dialogue with somebody, we call them a name instead. We see that in our society, but you know it's tempting to do, isn't it? Well, you're just you're just dumb, right? Or you're just old-fashioned, or you're just a bigot. And again, you know, it's that whole idea of well, if you can't beat them in an argument, you just beat them up with words. Some people will beat them up with their fists, but some people will beat them up with their words. When we want to win an argument, we tell somebody else in exaggerated ways that he always does that. And she never does that. Because that, that makes our argument look better. But it's oftentimes like the fisherman who tells the tale of the one that got away. It exaggerates the crime. It exaggerates the issue. We use that word hyperbole, right? Which is about exaggerating something to grotesque proportions. It's not true. It's not, it isn't to that, that deep of an extent. And it's because we want to look good. And we want to look right. And we want to win. <clears throat> it becomes more important to us then to beat someone, to tear somebody down, than to build them up with our criticism. Those aren't good words. Sometimes we don't know 
how easy it is to, to throw stones with our words. So much easier to throw stones with our words than to build up with our words. And to build with stones, so to speak. But when we want to throw stones with our words, it's a false witness. And that witness becomes worse when we allow evil attitudes to drive our evil words. Our passage says, don't go to sleep angry. We go to sleep with anger on our hearts instead of reconciling the matter. And so we allow the original uh, issue to fester, and, and, it, and it allows for malice and rage and bitterness and begrudging to take root what our passage talks about. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't come overnight. That comes because we're letting the devil get a foothold in our hearts. And there's no desire to seek forgiveness, uh, no patience, no, no overlooking a multitude of sins, just this bitterness that festers until it boils over like some pot left unsupervised. There's the hiding of things that should be laid bare. There's the silence when there should be communication. You ever get that? The silent treatment. That's, that's a miserable thing. That's just as bad as when people are shooting darts at you verbally. False witness that says, everything's okay. I'm all right. And it's not. It sets that stage for a, an unpleasant moment, a raging moment where anger and sin can mix and when words that should be regretted are then spoken in sin. And then they got to clean up afterwards. There isn't any thanksgiving in any of that. There's nothing valuable in any of that. Only, only grief comes from it and broken bonds and broken relationships and sins that multiply exponentially. So, that, you know, that's, not, that's just not something to avoid. That's something to detest. If that's your lifestyle, be warned. That's, that's what we gain from the ninth commandment. Be warned by the Apostle James and the Apostle Paul. Grieving the Holy Spirit is not in our eternal and spiritual interest at all. God was grieved when he made that he had made man, so he, he, he brought a flood. God was grieved that he made Saul king over Israel, and he removed him. The Spirit of God was grieved by the people of Israel, according to Isaiah 63, verse 10, and, and he became their enemy and fought against them, says Isaiah. That's nothing trivial. We have to watch our mouths. Such a mouthy lifestyle betrays a salt pond heart. A heart that needs to change. A heart that needs to know the liberating work of the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. And that kind of a thankful life doesn't have to be. Now, Ephesians 4 is a good reminder to us that when the apostle Paul tells us that, when we're, we're Christian people who have known grace, we can put off what's old and we can put on what's new. We don't have to act in a pagan style that imitates the devil who was a liar from the beginning. 
It doesn't have to be that way. It ought not to be that way. As the ninth commandment calls us to put aside falsehood, it calls us to do so because of a love for the truth and a loving of the truth in love. It only makes sense for people who confess that the truth has set them free to love and to speak the truth in love, particularly to others who have shared that, that gospel truth with them. And that's, that's what the passage starts with, after all. Ninth, the Ninth Commandment is about promoting a love for neighbor, looking out for their interest. Part of the summary of the law. And that can it show itself in different ways, of course. The best love for a neighbor is to bring the truth of the gospel to them. You know, we're getting into that second point here, right? About what it is that we're to be promoting. Well, promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ is the best love for a neighbor that we can have. So that by God's grace, they too may know the freedom from sin in Christ and they could be a real bond there between us and our neighbor beyond the fact that we live on the same block or the besides the fact that we might be doing the same profession, we live in the same country, we happen to look the same, but we share this more deep bond of the truth that is set us free. People don't always see it that way, but, but there's no better truth to share than that. But love for the neighbor with our words makes the most sense when we seek speak to another believer. Again, you hear that in this passage, don't you? Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We become fellow believers because we share the gospel word of truth in Jesus Christ. That's what bonds us initially. And what better way to stay bonded or to be more bonded is to share the word of truth in our daily conversations. And sometimes that word of truth means a word of correction. That's to be sure, but it, it's never to be done in, in any other way but, you know, in love. When you, when you hear that all the way back, uh, you know, back in verse 15, where speaking the truth in love, we're going to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I think that was the, uh, I think that was the theme verse of, the, uh, of, of uh, all Christian schools, eighth graders this year, in fact. Ephesians 4.15 that way. Sometimes uh, that word is, is to be a word of correction, but it's not to be done in rage or malice or with pride or belittling tone, but in gentleness. We defeat the whole process of correction if we sin in our pursuit of correcting somebody else. Our passage speaks so well to us about how to grow closer to one another in our homes and in our churches. There's something to be said about building one another up in love. It's all right, parents, to tell your children that they did something well. It's good to tell them that in different ways. It's easy to just tell them, don't do this and don't do that. And how many times do I have to tell you? But if they're doing what they're called to do, it's okay. It's good to tell them that. And if you're around the table and you're praying together and you're thinking about what it is that you should be praying about, pray to God and thank Him 
in the presence of your children for your children. That would be an appropriate expression of thanks because you're thankful for your children. And it's also a time to build up your children because they see that you appreciate the fact that they're in the house with you. And you appreciate when they do things in accordance with what you have directed them to do. It's alright to say a good word to your spouse when they've done something well. It's, it, it should be a habit. And maybe that is a habit with you. You know, I'm not saying it isn't. But, but don't take your spouse for granted. Don't presume that they know that you love them. Don't presume that you know that you appreciate what they made. Don't presume that they know that uh, you appreciate their hard work. Don't presume that they know that you appreciate the fact that they've been loyal to you or faithful to you over the years. Don't presume any of that. Tell them that. If it's the truth, tell them that. And tell them how thankful you are to God for that. Because if you want to see yourselves bonding even closer than when you first got married, that, that'll do it. That'll do it. If you see something going well in the church or in you know or or elsewhere in, in your home, tell them, tell people about it. It, it. It's easy to show the fault and to be silent otherwise. You know, some people aren't happy unless they're unhappy, right? Some people are not happy unless they've got something to say about somebody else. It's easy to show the fault. And there are times that we have to. That's not to say we, don't, we shouldn't show the fault. We talked about that. There's a need to show correction that needs to be done. But there's something to be said about the person who can encourage with a good word who says, you know what? I can see that God's at work in you. And if it wasn't for you, by God's mercies, doing what you did in that way or that way, where would we be? Or that you're just thankful to be where you are amongst God's people. You know, I think about that here. You know, I've been, been here about five and a half, well, that's not quite five and a half years yet. But you know, when you first come, you say, well, God's people are here. But the longer that you're here, the more you want to say to yourself, and, and, and then I, I catch myself not doing it enough either, to presume. I need to say, you know, I, I thank Dune URC for being what you have been to me and my wife and to my family. I thank the Lord for that. These have been good years that way. We gotta let people know those things. I mean, isn't after all the Spirit of the Lord at work among his people? At work in his kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit is showing. Isn't the fatherly hand of God in Christ resting on his children? Isn't the promise of Christ to be with us always not upon us? If we see it, let's show it. Let's express it. And isn't there after all something encouraging to hear people encouraging others? Their very encouragement is a sign of, of God's truth at work in our lives. 
Because that's the kind of people God has called us to be in Christ. That's the kind of people that he prepares for good works in light of his gracious word of truth in Christ. Part of thankful living then, beloved, is, is when we find ourselves thanking God not only for what he has done for us and certainly and, and most importantly in for what he has done for us in Christ and by sending his spirit, but also with be thankful to him for what he's doing in others, whether it's, it's directly impacting you or it's, it's somebody else that's being impacted uh, by what those people are doing. So when we have come to know the freedom of God through his good word to us, could any act on our part reflect that good word better than a good word of thanks from us? May the Lord enable us to, to put off and, and detest the, the thankless words in, in all their malicious forms. And may he help us more and more to, to put on that, that thankful word that not only thanks the Lord for what he has done for us in Jesus, which is most important of all, but also thanking the Lord for what he has done in others as we build them up with the words that we speak or as we see them building up others with the words that they're speaking. Oh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lovers of the truth, in accordance with the ninth commandment, because we love what the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be reminded again from this portion of your word about the, the, the measure of value that there is in speaking the truth with our neighbors, especially, Lord, when we think about the relationship that we have one with another thanks to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, as we hear of the the need to, to shun uh, falsehood in our lives and all of its facets. And especially as we use our words, we pray that not only we would find ourselves putting aside those hyperbolic talks, those exaggerated talks, those, that malicious talk, or that silence that shouldn't be there, but it's there because of bitterness or wrath or anger or, or any such malicious vices. We pray, Lord, that the kindness and tenderheartedness and the forgiveness and the graciousness to which you've called us because Christ has forgiven us, you have forgiven us in Christ, that this may prevail in our lives. We rejoice in the truth and we rejoice then to speak the truth in love one with another and to build one another up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. May that be so for us, Lord, as we live our lives so that we might grow closer together in the body of Christ. We might be reflections of the very one who speaks his good word to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. 
Amen. 240.